It's about time because we're going there. Hi, friends. I know we are on a break from our regularly scheduled podcast, but in between now and when we start our next season, I wanted to pop in and spread some love. If you're new around the podcast, let me welcome you and let you know that I'm excited that you've joined us for our podcast party. I'm your host, Bianca Wattis Oltoff, and we just finished our fourth season of We're Going There. It's been my honor to create content that equips and inspires and also sometimes entertains. In between seasons of the podcast, I decided to go back to my roots. At my core, I am a word nerd and Bible teacher, so I'm sharing some teachings out of the book of James that both Matt and I shared at the Father's House Orange County back in 2020. Yes, the year of the pandemic. I also wrote a Bible study guide for the series that will help you on your journey through the book of James, and it's absolutely F-I-E-E. And if it's for free, it's for me. Hello, somebody. Hey, it's my gift to you as you journey through reading God's word. All you have to do is shoot an email over to podcast at inthenameoflove.org. That's podcast at inthenameoflove.org. And that email will be sent directly to producer Madi. So show her some love as well. When you send over that email, you'll be sent a PDF of the study guide. Again, it's free 99. If you enjoyed the podcast, it would be amazing if you left a positive review and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss one episode. I hope you enjoy the series and I can't wait for season five. If there was more in season four, then it's a vibe in season five. Love you, friends. Okay, if you are new and you are joining us for the very first time, we are currently in the middle of a series entitled, If You Don't Know, Now You Know, The Bare Truth About Being a Follower of Jesus. And so uh, the last couple weeks, we've been going through the book of James specifically. This week, we're gonna be in James 4. Uh, I put together a PDF, I called it some soul work, because we want you to dive into this book. If you follow that PDF, you will read the book of James in its entirety. It's a short book, but it is mighty and powerful because we know that James is going to give us context. James is going to give us language. James is giving us handles on what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So if you are a note taker, pull out your Bible, pull out your notebook, or pull out your soul work PDF that is free 99. It's on the website if you still want to join along. The title of today's talk is The Prescription to Our Problems. Do you know, church, do you know what the number one killer is, not just in America, the number one killer across the globe? The number one lead cause of death in the world is not cancer, it's not coronavirus, it's heart disease. And uh, more people will die of heart disease than any other disease across the world. And as this is happening in the natural, this is happening to our physical bodies, if we're not careful, it will happen to our spiritual bodies as well. As heart disease affects the physical, heart disease could affect the spiritual too. And if I were to take a poll right now and ask, what are the things that are affecting your life? Where do you feel like things are affecting? You might say the elections of the presidential campaign if you are a resident of the United States. You might say the economic downfall. You might say a global pandemic. You might say racial injustice. But no one would say, I believe I'm having a heart problem. It's very rare for us to be that self-aware to understand, wait a minute, Maybe there's something going on internally that's affecting my life externally. The call I wanna step into, the person I wanna be, the, the favor that I wanna walk in, maybe I'm not there because of a heart issue. Maybe something is going on internally that's affecting my external. Do you have dis-ease of heart? The word disease is actually two words. Disease is broken up dis-ease. When there's supposed to be peace. There's supposed to be joy. There's supposed to be love. We're supposed to possess the gifts of the Spirit. And if there is a dis-ease, then there's something going on on the inside. 
So today I want us to take a heart check. I want us to put our hand on our spiritual heart and say, do I have an angry heart? Do I have a bitter heart? Do I have a hopeless heart? Do I have a hard heart? Do I have a confused heart? Do I have a numb heart? See, James, Pastor James in week one, two, and three, in chapters one, two, and three, he's now shifted gears. His name is Dr. James, okay? Dr. James is gonna walk us through to see if we have issues of the heart because he knows, he knows what Solomon said in Proverbs 4.23, to guard our heart with all diligence for from it flows the springs of life. So James is saying, your heart is messed up. Your heart is messed up and that's what's causing external problems. So today I wanna to give us a prescription to our problems, a prescription to our problems. If you've ever gone to the doctor outside of just a routine checkup, um, it's safe to say that you're experiencing some sort of pain or some sort of problem. If you're going to the doctors for a reason, the doctor's gonna to listen to you, they're gonna to listen to your symptoms, they're gonna hear your pain, they're gonna hear your problem, and they're gonna prescribe a prescription. So I'm taking James chapter four, verses one through 10, and there's almost like three puzzle pieces that James is gonna to bring together. In verse one through five, James lists the problems. He says, yo, this is the spiritual problems that are causing pain in your life. And then there's a provision in verse six, where James identifies the problem, but then there's this covering, like we okay. But then my favorite part in verses seven through 10, he gives us the prescription. In other, in other words, this is what we can do practically um, and apply personally to our life so that we see our lives change. Because if you don't know, now you know. So turn with me to James chapter four. And if you don't have a Bible or don't have a Bible, the verses are on the screen. But in verse one, James starts off with this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So as we go through this, I'm gonna highlight five ways that heart disease can creep in and James lists them out here. If you are not thriving in life, if your spiritual life feels dry, if you feel far from God, let's do some inventory. Number one, if you're taking note, and let's let the word preach the word, James tells us in verse one, what causes fights and quarrels among you? So the first sign of heart disease is that if there is strife, if there's bickering, if there's fighting, if there's calamity in your relationships, and James asked a powerful question, the right question, what causes these fights and quarrels among you? Why do we fight and complain? Why are we irritable with people? James is about to give us the answer. Look at verse one. Don't, uh, don't they come from your desires that battle within? That that is the reason why we fuss, why we fight, why we quarrel. He's saying there's something wrong on the inside of us that's causing us to have issues with people on the outside. Our internal issues are causing issues with other people. So what does that look like? Maybe, maybe you're sitting here and you've been thinking about, you know that person from church or you know that person from work and they got the job promotion. And you're like, that's wrong. I'm better qualified. I have more experience. Maybe today you're wrestling with an entitled heart. Maybe you see that girl, she's not that cute or that guy, he's a little busted. And then they're the ones dating that new girl at work, the new girl in the community, the new girl at church. And you're thinking, wait a minute, that's not wrong. I'm way cuter. She's a two, I'm a 10. Maybe what you're wrestling right now is an envious heart. Maybe you're looking at the unwed teen who is pregnant and you are struggling with infertility and you are questioning, why God, why, why them? Maybe you have a disappointed heart. 
Maybe you've lost your home or you're looking to buy a home and your dream home is out of your range, but some other person, maybe a family member or a cousin or someone from church got your dream home. Maybe you're wrestling with a covetous heart. What does coveting mean? It means that you have what they want. You don't want them to have it. So whether we are fighting or fussing with people, don't look at the, at them. Don't look at them. James is telling us, no, that there's some sort of desire going on on the inside of us that is causing us to quarrel. It's causing us to fight. And then this causing an irritability. And notice where James says that this starts. It's a dis-ease of heart. Do you have heart disease this morning? Look at verse two. You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet and cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. So here James is saying, like oftentimes, We are fighting people with the outside because there is an unfulfilled desire on the inside. Again, Solon's very clear in Proverbs 3.12, it says that a hope deferred makes the heart sick. Is there something going on with our lives that we are desiring something, we want something, and we are sick because God hasn't answered our prayer, God hasn't given what we wanted. So we are jealous of other people, we're envious of other people, and it's that jealousy, it's that envy that's causing irritability on the inside of us. So we take it out on people. We have a bitter heart, we have a jealous heart, or an envious heart. Okay, so here's sign two of heart disease. Uh, Look at this, Uh, James says, you have not. Number two is you have not. Look what he says at the end of verse two, you do not have. And I just want to T-O, I want to time out, I want to pause there. There are certain things that we as Christians were supposed to have. This is not an entitled life. I'm being, I'm being honest. We as Christians, we are promised that we have life and life abundant. If you are a follower of Christ, here's the bare truth about being a follower. You should have an abundant life. You should have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness. Why? Because it's a fruit of the spirit. We are entitled to have that. So if we don't have that, I'm going to ask the question, why? Will we do a heart check and ask our questions, ask ourselves these questions. Why don't I have patience? Why don't I have peace? Why am I so unhappy? Why don't I have a joy? And these are signs that you might have an angry heart, an envious heart, or even a disappointed heart. Look at sign three. Sign three is, and this is found in verse two, you do not ask God. Notice what James says. You do not have because you do not ask. Straight up. James is not mincing words. There's no sauce on this. He's just straight up serving truth. And he knows, he knows that in 1 Samuel 12, 23, prayerlessness, when we don't pray, prayerlessness is a sin. Check out these words out of verse 23. As for me, far be it for me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. Essentially, James is talking about prayerlessness or us having a a, a weak prayer life. This will cause a defeated and doubtful heart. If we get to the point in our life where we're saying, you know, God, I'm, I'm not going to pray anymore. I'm tired of praying. I've been praying for the same thing. You know, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I believe in prayer anymore. Maybe you're talking to other people and you're like, I'm not getting anything out of my prayers. I've been trying. I don't have a confidence that this God thing's going to work out. James says, check your heart, check your heart. I mean, he's coming for us. He said, you have to do inventory. And I want to encourage us right now to have an honest assessment of our prayer life. Is our prayer life vibrant? Is our prayer life full of faith? Is our prayer life something that we look forward to or something that we do consistently? Are we praying only for ourselves or are we also praying for others? 
So the fourth sign of spiritual heart disease is not just fighting and quarreling. It's not two, uh, that you don't have certain things, or three, that we don't ask God. But here's the fourth one, you don't receive from God. Now you might be praying, but you don't receive. In other words, there's certain things that are blocking you from receiving the promises of God. So let's do some inventory on maybe some clogged arteries if we're gonna use our heart language. So this is what our heart is supposed to look like. We're supposed to have a pure heart, a clear heart. I want my heart to be so transparent that people can see me through the honesty of my heart. But the problem that I'm, I'm seeing and the problem that I'm concerned with is that when we do, when we don't obey what God is calling us to do, when there is sin in our heart, what's sin? That's when we miss the mark. We fall short of what God has called us to do. If there's sin in our heart, it begins to cloud our heart. And Psalm 66, 18 says this, that our prayers are unheard if there's sin in our heart. And it's not just sin in our heart. What if today you are harboring unforgiveness in your heart? Unforgiveness in your heart begins to cloud the purity of the heart that we're supposed to possess. What about a doubtful heart? I doubt that God hears my prayers. I doubt that God cares. I doubt that he can do anything. As we discussed in James chapter one, that, that when we pray, we're supposed to pray in faith and we cannot be like a double-minded man that moves like the waves of the sea. We have to ask and not doubt because if there's doubt in our heart, the purity of our heart gets clouded. Or what if we just have a tired heart? I'm tired of praying for my children. I'm tired of praying for my spouse. I'm tired of praying for that job. I'm tired of praying for school. Well, in Luke chapter 11, Jesus tells us and encourages us to pray, to pray without ceasing, to ask, to seek, and yes, even to knock. Or what if maybe, maybe as we just read in James chapter four, that we're asking, but there's selfishness in our heart and we're asking with the wrong motives. Well, what should be pure, our heart, our pure heart that we can be transparent and be seen, full, soon becomes fully cloudy that we are no longer able to see even who we are because our heart has been so tainted with our sin, with our doubt, with our fear, with our worry. And the fifth sign that James gives us is worldliness. Now I wanna pause because the word worldliness just feels like so New King James, like, oh, the worldliness of the world. We don't use that word worldliness. But what it's saying is, listen, James is saying, if you look like the world, if you look just like them, how are people supposed to know that you are a follower of Christ? If it walks like a duck, if it talks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, you would duck. So James is trying to do inventory right now. Look at what he says. For those that look just like the world, he calls them out. He said, you adulterous people. Oh, he's coming for us. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So from the way that we dress, from the way that we speak, from the media that we ingest, for the things that we sign off on, for our beliefs and our behaviors, do we look more like the world or do we look more like Christ followers? Now, I know this feels very heavy, but even if we have all of these problems in our heart, there is still a provision. Church, please hear me. There's a provision and this provision is found in verse six. Look at what he says in verse six. But this is where there's a big but. And if you know me, I like big buts and I cannot lie because the word of God says, but he gives more grace. Praise God, hallelujah. His grace, if we're using James, Dr. James, that we had to go see, there's a cost for our prescriptions that we cannot fulfill. But let me tell you something. The grace of God is better than Cobra, is better than Blue Cross and Blue Shield. It's better than Aetna 
and Obamacare, okay? We can't afford it, but the grace of God has covered our bill. Come on, that's an amen in the chat box, all right? Basically, James is saying that, hey, even though our heart is filthy, even though our heart is dirty and clouded, the grace of God is so good. We could sit back and say, even though I'm fighting with people, even though my spirituality is whack, even though I feel like I'm falling short, the grace of God has covered me. Now, I wanna be very careful that we don't cheapen the goodness of God's grace though. Cause we could stay here and be like, praise the Lord, Jesus covered it all, his blood, the lamb, hallelujah, glory, and be fine with our lives. But God is calling us to step into our purpose, our calling and our destiny for our hearts to be healed, for our hearts to be pure yet again, for people to be able to see us through the purity of our hearts. God's great, God's grace is so good. His grace is so great, but let's work on healing the heart. So James lists the problems, then he gives us the provision, and now he's pulling out his prescription pad and he's got five things for us to do. You got five issues, I got five tissues. I also have five prescriptions. So in verse seven through 10, James is gonna give us these prescriptions. Now I wanna pause here because using the illustration of heart attacks, do you know that if you have a heart attack and you go to the doctors, they're gonna say, hey, we have a solution for you. We have these three simple recommendations. And if you do these recommendations, if you do these three things, your odds of having a heart attack again are so low. You know what those recommendations are? Eat healthy, exercise, and stop smoking. Those aren't very hard. But do you know that only 5.3% of heart attack survivors follow all three? James is about to give us these five simple solutions. And he's saying, if you do this, you will see the glory of God. If you do this, the desires of your heart will be heard. If you do this, you will start walking in the fullness of the life that God has called you to. If you do this, you will exemplify the goodness of God's gifts that he's given us. So it's a very simple things, but why is it so hard to do? James is gonna go into this and though it might feel simple, it actually kind of might feel a little complicated for some, but let's be honest and do some inventory. The first thing that we see is found in verse seven. For taking note, submit yourself to God. Friends, family, church friends, church family, church frenemies, hey, if there is any willingness that you are doing to willingly walk out of the will of God, if, you, if there is sin that you are partic- participating in, if you are doing things that don't bring glory to God, walk away from them. And if you're like, I'm new to Christianity or I'm just stumbling upon this message and you don't really understand, sin is missing the mark. It's what you're supposed to do either intentionally or unintentionally. Sinning is when we do it by mistake. Trespass is when we do it intentionally. Uh, Both of these, James is saying, submit yourself to God. And the word submit right now feels like a very dirty word in our culture. Oh, what does that mean? It means surrendering to God what is already his. God, it's my dreams and my ambition, it's my desire, it's my goal, but I lay that down to you. I submit them to you as my God. I want your fullness, I want your calling, I want your purpose, I want your blessing. Therefore, take my plans and I submit them over to you. James is saying, submit yourself to God, period. Then the second thing he says is resist the devil. James tells us resist the devil and he will flee from you. In other words, the temptations that we are experiencing today, we put the blood of Jesus over it and we say, "Uh uh-uh, not today, Satan. No, tell the devil, no, not today. We have the authority to say, devil be gone. In the name and the blood of Jesus, you have no authority over me. When television tempts us with images that keep our eyes lingering for a little too long, not today, Satan. When that chocolate cake that the Lord has told you to not say yes to because he has a better plan for your life and you say, not today, 
today, Satan, when you could swindle a little money, you could take a little from Paul and take a little from Peter and the spirit of God whispers to you, that's not the best that I have for you. What you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is cheating. Then you tell the devil, no, not today. Resist the devil. Prescription number three, the third thing that he tells us is come near to God. James is very clear. Come near to God and he will draw near to you. If you want to get your life back on track, if you want to get a healthy heart, draw back to God. And in this season of great turmoil and tumultuous times, I'm hearing so many people say, where is God? Where is God when we need him? God's been where he's always been. The question is, where are we? Where are you? How far have we wandered from the goodness of God? God is saying, I want you to come near to me. I want you to be so cl close that you hear the beating of my heart and how it breaks for you. God wants to get to know us. And when Matt and I were dating, he lived in Orange County and I lived in Los Angeles County. And so we didn't get to see each other often, but we would text during the day and then we would call at night and we'd send emails and it was so cheesy. And then I got to see him like on Saturdays and maybe if we had time after church from my church to his church, we'd see each other then. But we wanted to spend time with each other so that we could get to know each other. Well. God wants to get to know us and that's going to require time. So spend time in the word, spend time journaling, spend time praying, put on some worship music, get your praise pants on and worship God for intimacy and closeness with him. Look at the fourth thing. It's very clear. Repent from our sin. Look at verse eight. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. James is saying, take your sin seriously. Look at verse nine. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. He's saying, he's not saying walk around like, oh, I'm hanging down with shame. I'm so ashamed of it. But he's saying, no, 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 no. Take your sin seriously because God takes our sin seriously. If, if it breaks God's heart, it should break our heart heart. So we need to confess, God, this is not who I want to be. These things that I have done, I want to stop. I confess my sin. And finally, number five, walk in humility. Look at verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he, and he will lift you up. If you want to have God's grace in your life, you want God to prosper you, to favor you, walk in humility. As we close out our time this morning, the final prescription that James mentioned has me thinking of a particular day right before quarantine started. In March, we had gathered, uh, at the time we were gathering once a month for our monthly pursuit nights. That's where we come together and we pray and we worship. And it was the day right before California shut down man from the mandate to shut down for quarantine. And I vividly remember this night because as we were worshiping, I felt a nudge in my heart that I couldn't explain. I felt like there was a mom in the room um, that was weeping for her child. And I saw, I saw a woman like lay over their child and I didn't know what it meant. But I knew that as a church of prayer, as a church of praise, as a church believing for God to meet with his people, I had to, in our gathering of two, 300 people, I had to just pause the service and say, is there a mother in here who's been praying for their child, weeping over their child and laying out your body over your child? There was a hand that raised from the very back last row and that day, a woman by the name of Tracy Bernard raised her hand. What I didn't know was that Tracy had a young son that had brain disease that no medicine could fix. The only thing that was gonna work with possibility was a brain surgery that would compromise the health of little Maddox. What I didn't know was that this brain issue that he was experiencing caused massive debilitating seizures. 
seizures so bad that Maddox would be in the hospital for days and weeks and months, that Tracy had to throw her body over her son and cry out with humility, God, heal my son. Like the Syrophoenician woman that goes to Jesus and says, please hear, heal my child. I believe that is what Tracy did. She humbled herself in the sight of God and God saw her and lifted her up. That day, we extended a hand of prayer and we prayed for Tracy and we prayed for baby Maddox. And let me tell you something, church, with so much humility, I get to, I have to, I want to declare the goodness of God because baby Maddox has not had a seizure since that day. I believe that when we humble ourselves before the Lord, He is the one that lifts us up. And we're not going to start uh, when we're back together. It's going to start now. See, the enemy has tried to keep us separate. And you might be watching this alone, but let me let you know that there are hundreds and thousands of people that are watching this on demand and live that are saying, wait a minute, God is speaking to me. So whoever you are, wherever you're at, the word of God is going forth. And let me tell you, if God did it for Maddox, if God answered the cry of a mama like Tracy, how much more will God want to answer your prayer? So on our website and on our app, there's also a link in YouTube and Facebook where you can go and submit your prayer request. Because for the next two weeks, we have a group of prayer warriors that are waging a war against hell. We are interceding for the saints because in James chapter five, he's very clear for us to confess our trespasses amongst the brethren and God is faithful to heal. So we're putting God on display. We're saying, God, have your way among your people. I cannot wait to tell more testimony stories of a church that humbled themselves because I fully believe that we, we submit to God when we resist the devil, when we draw near to God, when we confess our sins, when we humble ourselves, God will heal us.